Uh, I want to talk about uh, desires. Uh, you could this could be worded in a, a variety of ways. I want to talk about desires, longings, wants. Um, maybe the first thing that uh, you think about is: Can we really trust our desires? Can we trust our longings? And uh, we'll kind of investigate this a little bit more over the next couple of minutes. But I say, yes, we can as we remain grounded in God's story. As we talked about last week, uh, we are grounded, humbly recognizing that Jesus is the central character of the Bible, not us. We're grounded, humbly acknowledging that God is the center of our story. And this groundedness seems to purify us as well as clarify our core longings. And God's story whets my appetite or awakens my longing to enter more fully into that story. And so um, I want to talk about how um, when we are rooted in love, that we are in a position to, um, to let our desires come to the surface and to examine those and how those desires can actually guide us um, as we show love to others. Um, what you sincerely desire, what you want, what you long for can be a real trusted guide on your journey. Now, I say all that, but if you were like me, you might be reluctant to give yourself fully to what you want and what you deeply long for. I struggled to pay attention and to even give voice to some longings that I have uh, for a variety of reasons. And I'm, I'm just gonna briefly mention three, although I'm sure there are more. Um, one reason I struggle to give voice to my desires is I was raised to believe, and this is just the kind of the religious culture uh, that I particularly was raised in, but um, I was taught that desires cannot be trusted. Uh, that our longings, that the things that we want um, emanate from uh, our dark self, um, from, a, uh, from a very unhealthy place. Um, all desires uh, in some ways were almost deemed bad. Um, and it was also even um, kind of taught that if you were a real spiritual person, if you really loved God, then you would just live your whole life with no desires and just, hey, God, whatever you want for me is fine. <clears throat> so it just didn't make much sense to voice a desire if um, if it was most likely going to be bad or if really God wanted me to be at a place where I didn't even have desires. The second reason that I sometimes have a hard time giving voice to my desires is um, because of the pain of unfulfilled longings. There have been times when I have voiced some desires and, and it, they they were not met. Those are still longings yet to be fulfilled. And that hurts. And I, in your own way, you, you could describe what that's like. And it, so then I adopted this mindset of, well, if I don't set my hopes up on anything, then I won't have to live with disappointment. But if I'm honest, um, deeper than my desire to avoid that pain and disappointment, is a desire for me to risk and live life to the fullest. And when I'm not giving voice to certain desires, I'm, I'm not able to live life to the fullest. And then um, a third reason why I, I struggle sometimes to give voice to my desires, whether it's in prayer or, or 
sharing them with a, a trusted spiritual friend is um, I'm not sure if what I want is, is good for me. Um, what I think, uh, what I think might be good. Um, is that really, could it be detrimental to me? Um, if I want something, is this the right time? Is my motive right? Um, and so sometimes I'm just slow to voice my longings because I, I just can't figure out what it is that I really want, what it is that I truly desire. Um, maybe what I long for today, I'm so fickle that I wouldn't really long for that tomorrow. When I'm having difficulty determining what I truly long for, it's likely because I'm not digging down deep enough or um, to, to use the analogy of this growth acronym and what Dave was just talking about it, it's, it's I don't allow my roots to grow down far enough past all my superficial and immediate longings. So that's what I'm talking about here is when we are rooted in love, we, we kind of tap into um, this, this deep desire that God has placed in us. And that needs to, give, to, to uh, be given voice. And we need to act on that. I was reading the other day, um, and this, uh, this really stood out to me. Uh, the author, uh, Ruth Haley Barton, was talking about what is, what is most true about you? What really defines who you are? And uh, kind of uh, just in my own words, but based upon what she was writing, um, despite how it may seem, uh, we are not defined by our wounds and our failures. We're usually pretty quick to think of ourselves in terms of that. Um, nor are we defined by our giftedness, our personality type, a job title, accomplishments. What most defines you and me, what most defines our truest self is that part of us that longs to experience more and more of God. The truest part of you is that part of you that longs for more of God's love and to give yourself over to more and more of God's love. Now, once you've tapped into these deep longings and you've lived a few moments from that sacred place, uh, the types of things that you say are kind of like, this is my best self. It's like that eureka light bulb moment. This is who I want to be more and more by God's grace. These are the moments that I will remember on my deathbed and say, that was what I was meant for and what I want to be remembered by. So when we're talking about these desires, we're not talking about just the surface stuff, but when we really respond to these longings, we realize because God gave us those longings, that that's our truest self, that's our best self, and that's what we have to offer the world around us. Your greatest longings are rooted in love, God's love for you your love for God. We desire God because he first longed for us. Our deepest desires align with the God who placed those desires in us to begin with. And I would say that our growth will never exceed our longing for God. 
to remain a trajectory of growth, you and I must expand our capacity for more and more of God. And as we live from that place, as I said, we encounter those light bulb moments of this is who I want to be all the time. I never feel more alive than, than when I am doing this. And your this is going to be different than my this. But when we are really deeply rooted in God's love and we realize that he has created us for a unique work, um, when you do that, that's when something in you wakes up and says, I, this is what I want to be remembered by. <laughs> this is what I want to do all the time. Now, that's in contrast to those shallow surface longings. Um, I chose the R of rootedness in this acronym to describe love because that love and longing is really deep within us. I think it's great that Dave kind of gave us a moment to reflect on what it is that we desire and how we seek to meet those desires because um, because it's that answer is deep in us, we have to grow still and to be quiet and give time for that to uh, that answer to come up to the surface where we can begin to really chew on it. Um, and so uh, I want us to, uh, to look at two examples. Both of them are in Mark 10 and uh, just two stories, two different people, actually three different people, um, who were able to express what they really wanted. In fact, Jesus looked at them and said, what do you want? And so as we step into these passages, I, I always encourage you to, uh, in these, especially in these narratives, uh, to picture yourself there in the story, watching what has taken place. Or maybe you want to be, maybe you see yourself reflected in one of the characters. Um, but Jesus poses this question in these two settings, what do you want? And I, I, I'd like for us to see how these people responded to that question. What do you want? What are you really longing for? What is it that you desire? In Mark 10, beginning in verse 35, um, James and John um, are, are two of the disciples, and they are in the presence of Jesus along with the other disciples. So they are kind of like, if you use your imagination, they are watching what is uh, what has taken place. It says this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus said in reply, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? So there's the big question. What do you want? They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. So what I, the first thing I want us to see in this, even though they gave voice to what they wanted, 
And Jesus, in a real loving way, not in a condescending way, not like you have no clue what you're asking for. He's like, oh, uh, man, I'm sure God, uh, I'm sure Jesus loved that they were um, honest and saying they want to be close to him. Um, in that way, that was a symbol of of, um, of of wanting to draw close, but it also probably hinted at a lot of self ambition too. Um, but the the thing that I first want us to see in this is when we share what we really want, our biggest dreams, our deepest needs. Um, that's personal, and we don't typically give voice to a personal request unless we trust the person we are sharing that with. So do you believe that God is love and therefore trustworthy? I'm not asking you if you believe that God will give you everything you want, no matter what, but simply do you believe that God is trustworthy and always loving? Because if so, you can safely give voice to what those desires are. James and John, though, give us an example of what happens if what we desire is not rooted in love. And I could guess what things their request was maybe was rooted in, but um, it wasn't a request motivated by selflessness and love. I, I can only speak for myself, but I have desires that are rooted in a variety of things other than love. I constantly battle desires that are rooted in pride. It seems like daily I have to push aside desires that are rooted in selfish ambition. Um, it might be a desire for something that is very good, but it's rooted in selfish ambition, for example. Some, sometimes my desires are rooted in fear and uncertainty, and that often leads to desires that are rooted in self-protection. And I could go on. Maybe you can relate to one of the unhealthier roots that I confess. But the story of James and John gives me great comfort in knowing that when I'm in the presence of the God who loves me, I'm in a safe place to voice my desires, even if my desire is rooted in something unhealthy, rooted in something that is less than a heart of love. Of love. So you may be afraid to voice a desire that is unhealthy, but I can't help but wonder if it would be more detrimental to you if you kept your unhealthy desires hidden. Um, Open up and share your deep longings and desires and dreams with God and allow him to help you sift through them. If you or I desire something that we truly are not prepared for, I trust that God will let us know, just as Jesus did with James and John. Did you get that part of Jesus' response? He said, you don't know what you're asking. You really don't understand what it is that you want. And then he goes on to say, these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Now, in this next story, you're going to hear a desire voiced with raw passion and with it vulnerability. And again, I think this person is able to do this because something in them believes that Jesus is love and can be trusted. In Mark 10, uh, verse 46, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So in this, you can just feel the tension. These people um, are almost embarrassed by, um, by how loud Bartimaeus is being. It's like, dude, you're kind of, you're kind of making a fool of yourself here. Is almost what the crowd is thinking. But even though they felt that way, he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And then Jesus asked him a question. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And we read that immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What do you want me to do for you? That's a tough question to answer because it's confessing that what you really want is something that you're not able to provide for yourself. The deeper the longing, I believe the louder we are willing to voice it. The deeper the longing, the more we are gonna be a little less concerned about the crowd around us. Desperation is another form of longing. Jesus meets us at the level of our desire. So recognizing you have deep longings is to also recognize that God gave you those longings. It all originates with God. So have you slowed down long enough to listen to the true longing of your heart? To that longing that when it comes to the surface, when it comes to life, it will cause you to realize this is what I was created for. Have you begun to acknowledge and honor your longing for significance, your longing for love, your longing for deep and lasting change, your longing for a way of life that works, your longing to connect experientially with someone, with God who is beyond you. Those longings are not going to go away because God gave you those desires. Those aren't self-generated whimsical desires. Those are encoded into your very being by our creator. And those longings will only be actualized when we are deeply rooted in love. Love with God, love with the way God made me, love with the, God, with the way God made you, love for the people that God loves and to whom he's called us to. And Dave's already kind of given us uh, some, some great advice on how do we identify and name that deep desire, our soul's love? How do we get in touch with that love? And I, I believe it does uh, come from one or a combination of those places of sitting in solitude, of, of surrounding ourselves with those friendships that awaken us to that love, um, of entering into times uh, where we saturate ourselves with God's word. Uh, when we are quiet, 
when we are in God's presence, we need to pay attention to those longings, to a longing for more of God. And if you realize when you get quiet that you don't have a longing for God or a longing for the life he created for you, begin by asking God for that longing. God, awaken me to a desire. Give me a desire for more of you. You don't have to stir this up yourself. Love and longings, again, they're not self-generated. They are gifts to you from God who is love. So um, I challenge you to consider these, these two questions. Get quiet and imagine Jesus looking at you and saying, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? It could be that you break out a journal and at the top of the page, it begins with this, God, what I most need, what I most want from you right now is, and then you start writing, pouring out your heart because that's a safe place. And you don't have to worry about writing the right thing just as you're honest. And he's gonna help you sift through those desires. So you may begin with a pen and a whole ream of paper, but continue digging and following those roots all the way down. If you are intimidated by a big blank page, uh, if the thought of a journal overwhelms you, um, maybe, this is gonna sound kind of strange, maybe this is the image that you have, need to have in mind. Instead of filling a journal, take the time to get quiet and on one of those really small sticky notes and with a pencil that you know doesn't have a whole lot of life left in it. In other words, to kind of say, hey, there's something kind of urgent. There's something about now that needs to be answered. And then you begin to just write out maybe a word or a phrase. What do you want? You listen to Jesus asking you, what do you want me to do for you? And you scribble that down in a real brief, concise sort of way. And you're kind of saying this, once you're done with that, this is who God created me to be. And maybe the first thing you write isn't quite all that there is. And so you, you go down a little deeper and you write something again and you let your roots grow down a little bit deeper and you write something else. And you just kind of keep peeling back the layers, talking about, talking with God about what it is that you really want. Because he wants to meet you there. He wants you to experience that vibrant life. Now, I mentioned that our deepest and purest longings emanate from that place where we commune with God, where love is a part of the equation. Uh, so I want you to, to take your communion elements, the bread and the cup, and hopefully this idea of communing with God um, just gives you a fresh awareness of what it means to partake in communion. When we pause for communion, it is a form of communing. We grow still 
and we open up ourselves so that our spirit communes with God's spirit. And so we, we approach the table first by asking God to cleanse us in preparation for this meal. And so for this, I just encourage you to internalize and offer the prayer of Bartimaeus, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Would you say that? Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then we celebrate his mercies. By taking the bread and the cup, we acknowledge that it is only through the body and blood of Jesus that we can have access to the Father, that only because of Jesus can our spirit commune with God's spirit. Jesus offers to us, just as he did those disciples, he said, this is my body, which is for you. It is up over you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this represents the covenant of my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May we grow as we open ourselves up to a loving God who has an incredible life ahead for us. Um, a God who loves us and who put really sincere life-shaping desires in us. And I encourage you to be still and some, to take some time this week um, uh, in solitude with a friend in God's word, those, those things that Dave mentioned, and just begin asking yourself, what is it really deep down inside that I desire? Second Peter 3.18 I closed with this blessing uh, a week or two ago. May we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen.